Hi, thanks for listening in to the Evolutions Podcast. Here's a really, really dope message dropped fresh from our youth service. Can't wait to see you at church. So uh, the title of my message is Wrestle. What is Wrestle? Wrestle is somewhat similar to a fight. The wrestling that we do know are professional sports like MMA, like WWE, like the wrestling, thumb wrestling that you you played earlier on, right? But the other definition of wrestle is what I want to talk about. Wrestle is not just a fight. Wrestle is a struggle. And this is the wrestling that all of us are most familiar with, our struggles. Through our life, um, we will struggle, we will struggle with issues, with problems. It just never seems to go away. Sounds familiar? So just recently, I visited the dentist and I found out that I I have an underbite. So what that means is that my lower set of teeth extends further outwards as compared to my upper set of teeth. So as I was considering whether to put on braces, my dentist was explaining to me about my teeth situation. (laughs) I don't know why, but there's something in there she said that really, really touched me. So she said this. She told me, you have an underbite. And your teeth are all doing their very best over the past many years (laughs) to come together to fit perfectly for you. Even though your jaw is misaligned. Okay, I exaggerated, right? But, <laughs> but then she went on into some technical terms about how like, my teeth bend, which angle, and stuff like that, and how it works for me. Yeah. So like I said, I somehow felt immensely grateful that my teeth struggle. <laughs> uh, or should I say wrestle, okay, to, to make it work for me. Yeah, I know it sounds a little dramatic, right? But I honestly felt a warmth in my heart when she said that. So with that, I want you to know that maybe imperfections in your body, imperfections in life, are a perfect proof that, of a struggle that you are not giving up on you. Just like my teeth is not giving up on me, right? So we all have our own struggles. Maybe some of us, we are struggling with faith and hope for our future. We know that we got to have faith, but we slip into negativity, into emo, and we struggle to fight against that in order to move forward. Maybe some of us, we struggle with insecurity and confidence. We know that we got to be bolder. We got to be louder. Yes, but (laughs) we somehow just creep back into being timid and being insecure. We just crawl back into our comfort zone. Maybe some of us, we struggle in our friendships, in our relationships with those above us and those beside us. It could be that we have characters and attitudes and and problems in our heart and habits in our life that is really eating into our connections with others. And these are areas in our life that we are struggling to get better in, to grow in. Or maybe we are working on forgiving others, of making sense of disappointments, hurts, and discouragements from other people. And we are struggling to do our best to do the right thing. Yeah. 
to respond in the right way, even when others have hurt us. Maybe some of us, especially those of us who are older here, young adults, woo! Wow, you guys are enthusiastic today. We are working on some tough and rough ages in our life. You are really getting to the root issues, dealing with, or I should say, struggling to deal with things that you got to let go and things that you got to forgive and move on. And sometimes we wonder, this struggle, this wrestle, this conflict, this turmoil that is raging within us, where is its place in our life? Where should be its place? I mean, come on, should we even have a place in our life? Right? We can't possibly call this struggle good, can we? Well, struggles may not be good, but what it can produce in us is of great value. I realized something that truth is often found in tension. Truth is often found in the tension of things. For example, when we say God is good, it sounds good, right? But it is like a Coke that gives you a little sugar high. That doesn't last you through the week. That's not the complete truth. What it should be is God is good, even when life is tough. In that tension, right? So when we choose to struggle on, we come closer to truth in our life. Of what life is, of who God is. We come closer to truths that makes us stronger and anchor us deeper. So I want to give you three simple reasons why there is beauty in wrestle. Why you should hold on in your struggle. Why you should continue wrestling, continue fighting through life. Ready? So this message is to all of us who struggles and who wrestles in life. So the first reason is because of love. Because struggle is a sign of not giving up. It is saying that I'm going to work through this instead of walking out of this. Because I love. So I fight on, I wrestle on, I wrestle with. So all of us, we know that God is perfect, right? But yet, God struggles. Oh yes, God struggles in His love towards us because we are imperfect. God wrestles and struggles to hold on to us simply because He loves us. He refuses to give up on you and I. Let me show you in in a passage in the Bible, in Hosea 11.1. It says, Divine love, okay? When Israel was a child, when God's people was a child, so this is God's kind of like monologue, right? I loved him, and out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more I called them, the further they went away from me. They kept sacrificing to the bills, and they burned incense to the idols. But yet, it was I who taught him how to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with bands of human kindness, with cords of love. I treated them like those who lift infants to the cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. It shows you how intimate, I mean, God is, right? Yeah. And then he goes on, divine frustration. They will return to the land of Egypt and Assyria will be their king because they have refused to return to me. My people are bent on turning away from me. And though they cry out to the Most High, 
he will not raise him up. Then he goes on, God goes on. How can I give you up? How can I hand you over, Israel? My heart winters within me and my compassion grows warm and tender. I won't act on the heat of my anger. I won't return to destroy you for I am God and not a human being. The Holy One in your midst, I won't come in harsh judgment. So it is a kind of like a long passage, but it gives you a glimpse of what goes on in God's heart. It shows you, oh wow, God struggles in loving us, in holding us, in, in trying to reach us. It shows you how horrible human beings can be. But it also tells us what an incredibly loving, patient, and faithful God we have. So I want to encourage everyone, don't give up fighting for what you love, for those you love. Even if there will be differences in people, even if there are difficulties, choose love. There may be scars for some of us that we carry from life. Scars from bad decisions, from bad relationships, from bad experiences. But choose to hold each other in the space of love. God tells us the same thing as well when it comes to loving others. In another verse, in Ezekiel chapter 22, you can turn there. Ezekiel chapter 22, 29 to 30. It says that the important people of the land have practiced extortion and have committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and mistreated the immigrants. They have oppressed and denied justice. I look for anyone to repair the wall and stand in the gap. Stand in the space. Stand in the wrestle. For me, on behalf of the land, so I wouldn't have to destroy it. Love can sometimes be a struggle. God calls us to stand in this gap, in this difficult space to wrestle on behalf of the poor and those who have been oppressed. But to also stand on behalf of the oppressors and the assaulters. So God calls us to stand in this difficult space between Him and the people. On one hand, to bring the people closer to God, to bring the people closer to change, But on the other hand, to come before God, to pray, to protect, and to fight on behalf of the people. But that is love, right? Not giving up, not walking out, but fighting on, wrestling on, struggling on, working it through. So I want to say this, that working through something, struggling through something may look ugly sometimes. I mean, all our bad habits, our lousy character, the worst of our surfaces, right? Working through a friendship or a relationship can look like this sometimes. Not pretty, right? But not all struggles need to end badly. Not all quarrels have to be divisive and dramatic and gossipy. Not all wrestles have to be divisive and gossipy and dramatic, okay? So I want to tell you a little prank that our team did back, oh my gosh, in April this year, okay? So my team should know this. Oh yes, it's that prank, okay? So there are kind of a lot of people involved, so I'm going to try my best to be clear for everyone. So basically, it's a 3v3. So basically, Zhu, Kyoliang, and Edwin... And myself, we wanted to prank Damien, Shen Li, and Winnie. 
Got it? So we set a stage for 3v3, okay? We set a stage for a quarrel between the three of them. Tiolang, Ziyu, and Edwin. And we intend intended to put the other three in an awkward position <laughs> and see how they will react. So Ziyu, Edwin, and Tiolang tried really hard to work up <laughs> a quarrel. We don't quarrel, okay? So it started with Tiolang being upset that Melo was constantly being referred to as a he instead of a she. <laughs> Even though Melo is a she, okay? Later when you go and say hi to her, okay? So, um, and then, that didn't kind of, didn't really pan out because it, it, it didn't like escalate, right? <laughs> so, and then he tried to be upset and petty with everyone because he supposedly cannot find his phone and nobody wants to help him. <laughs> and they tried to make it like a big deal. And all that is going on, all that conversation is going on with Winnie, Damien, and Shirley in the same space. <laughs> so some of you might wonder, where am I? Well, of course I'm not in the room, right? If not, they would have looked to me to, <laughs> to step in to mitigate. So I, I'm, I'm out of the picture. So it was pretty obvious by now that there was like a tension in the air. And at one point, Winnie stepped in, okay? She spoke up and she said, hey guys, what's with the tension in the air? <laughs> What is this tension about? Okay? And she said it in a very firm and a stern voice. And at a point of time, yes, Shen Li also volunteered to help Tio Liang find his missing phone. <laughs> which he was angry with Zi and Edwin over, apparently for not helping. So I don't know if it sounds dramatic, but don't worry, no humans are hurt in the process. Okay? <laughs> so we kind of revealed to them at the end of the day, uh, at the end of like a couple minutes, that it was just all but a prank. <laughs> What, what's really hilarious, I should add on and tell you, is that Edwin actually put his phone on the bookshelf to film the whole process, but he forgot about it. So for about five to ten minutes after everything has ended, right, and everything was revealed, right, he was still questioning Ziyu and Tiolang, where is his phone? He was like, guys, guys, he was like, guys, it's ended already, right? I mean... Ended already, right? Where's my phone? Can, you, can, can we please stop? Can, can y'all just return me my phone? And Tiolang was like, what? Your phone? No, what do you mean? Okay. And, and then, of course, at the end of the day, he found out that his phone had been sitting on the bookshelf the whole time. <laughs> okay, well, so that's an example of a prank, right? People bring out the best in us. I agree. But people sometimes also bring out the worst in us. Especially in a quarrel especially in a quarrel. But if we allow ourselves to struggle, we allow ourselves to be honest with our struggle, to fight on, to work through, to wrestle on, rather than walking out, rather than MIA, or being dramatic, or being gossipy, or being divisive, it gives you, it gives us a chance to be refined beautifully, to be much more than we can be. So I want to encourage everyone, don't give up in everything that you are fighting for. Yeah. Don't give up in loving one another better. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to love you better. I'm love you better. So maybe some of you um, are working through your relationship with your parents for the youth. Maybe some of you are struggling in your friendship with one another. Don't give up, okay? Wrestle on, choose love, remember love, and keep working on your heart, on your life, on yourself to be better. So that's the first one. The second point, the beauty of wrestle is because of growth. Yeah. Yeah. Because of growth. 
So for most of us, there is always going to be a gap between who I used to be and who I want to be. Okay, I hope that there is a gap, okay? <laughs> if you don't have a gap between who you used to be and who you want to be, then you are the same old you, the horrible you <laughs> for the past 15 years of your life, okay? But for most of us, we should have a gap. And that means that you should feel the tension, the struggle, that you are nowhere who you used to be. But you are also nowhere who you want to be. But guess what? This struggle is normal. In fact, it is this struggle that causes you to grow. This wrestle is not a sign to give up. It is a sign to grow up. So let me tell you about this um, tree called the giant mahan. It's also known as the Makaranga Gigante. Okay, wow. Okay, yes. So this tree is unique because it grows where there is a wound to the land. Where trees have fallen or have been cut. And it is also a competitive tree, even though it didn't have a good beginning, so to speak. It grows fast to fight with other plants for sunlight, sometimes growing up to 15 meters in height with a spreading crown, and is known for these like huge elephant leaves which provide shade for other slowing growing plants. So what I'm saying is that struggle does not mean that you are weak. In fact, there is a strength that can only come through struggles. And maybe the only way to be stronger is to struggle through. Like the giant Mahan, right? The whole growth began from a wrestle, a fight to survive and to grow. It does not have a perfect beginning or a start, but it is definitely no weak plan. I mean, come on, it's the giant Mahan, right? So when you are struggling, I want you to know that you get to places where you have never been before. It causes you to grow, it causes you to stretch, which otherwise cannot be rich from a position of comfort. It causes you to increase and to have more and to be more. So it is in struggles with ourselves, with our failures, with our past, with our wounding, with our hurts, that we break through to a new level of growth. So perhaps some of us here, we are in a struggle that seems to have no end in sight. We are struggling with ourselves, our, for the youth, laziness. I always hear this. Our weaknesses, I also always hear this. Our character, our attitudes. I know what I should do, but I'm not doing it. Maybe we are struggling to have more faith, more confidence, less fear. Maybe we are struggling with our past, our failures, our disappointment, trying to shake off who we were and trying to move on to be better. Yeah. Or maybe we are struggling with the anxiety of the unknown future. Yeah. I want to encourage you, don't give up this wrestle. Yeah. Don't check out the moment you feel this tension. Yeah. I want to remind you that your struggle is an opportunity for you to grow, yeah. to get closer to who you want to be and to grow stronger. Amen? Right, so that's the second point. Thirdly, there is beauty in this wrestle. You should keep fighting. You should keep holding on. You should keep wrestling on, wrestling with because, because of God. 
Because of God. Because it grows us closer to God. There is someone in the Bible who struggled and wrestled. And I want to bring all attention to this man in the Bible called Job. So I'm going to introduce him into our service today, all right? So Job is a wealthy man living in a land called Uz with his large family and massive herds and flocks of animals. He is someone whom the Bible says that he is someone who is righteous before God in all his ways, everything. It's like, wow, the benchmark. He's someone who feared God, someone who avoided evil of any kind. He is a, he's not just a good man, he's an awesome man. Okay. So the story goes on. One day, one fine day, Satan, the devil, appears before God in heaven. And God boasts to Satan about how awesome Job is. But Satan rebutted, okay? And, and he kind of said that Job is only good because God has been good to him. Because God has blessed him abundantly. And then he goes on to challenge God to give him the permission to punish Job. And then he said, we'll see whether he will turn around and curse you. So God allowed Satan to kind of bring misery into Job's life, but forbid Satan to take his life. So in the course of one day, Job receives four different horrible news that his livestock, servants, children have all died. He was so sorrowful that he tore his clothes, he shaved his head. But amazingly, he still blesses God in his prayers. In Job chapter 121, it says, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will return there. The Lord has given me. The Lord has taken from me. Bless the name of the Lord. So the story goes on. Satan appears in heaven again. And God was so you know, proud of Job, right? And God, and he kind of challenged God again. And God grants him another chance to test Job. At this time, Job is affli- afflicted with skin sores. And he is feeling terrible and miserable. And three of Job's friends heard about it. They came all the way to visit him and sat with him in silence for seven days. Out of respect for his mourning and all the misery and all the afflictions that's happening to him. And on the seventh day, finally Job spoke and he started to curse the day that he was born. His three friends also added in what they thought about his misery, what they thought about God, what they think he should do. Okay? And Job spends the next approximately 34 over chapters complaining, emoing, cursing, okay? down and out, accusing God of injustice and seeking to take God to court. And at the end of his complaining for 34 chapters, guess what? God showed up. (laughs) And God rebuilt him. (laughs) And Job's response was amazing. He responded humbly to God. He said, I mean, he said, God, I take back everything I've said. And I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. But the interesting part that I want to draw everybody's attention to is this passage. In Job chapter 42, verse 7 to 8, it says, After the Lord has spoken these words, or rather, after the Lord has rebuked Job, he said to Eliphaz from Teman, 
I'm angry at you and your two friends because you haven't spoken about me correctly as did my servant Job. So now, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and prepare an entirely uh, burnt offering for yourselves. Job, my servant, will pray for you and I will act favorably by not making fools of you because you didn't speak correctly as did my servant Job. So God emphasized twice, right? But the question is, how exactly has Job spoken correctly about God? The only good he has spoken about God is in this verse, in 121. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return. The Lord has given, the Lord has, has taken, and blessed be the Lord. Same. But after this, like what we said earlier on, right? He's, he spent 34 over chapters complaining, overemphasizing of how God wasn't fair to him. And the thing is, Job's friends are not entirely horrible too. They got a couple of things correct. They empathized with Job. They cried with him. They stayed with him through his difficult time. They didn't leave him. But what kind of went wrong was like what God mentioned in the verse. When they opened their mouth and gave their long speeches about God and about his situation. Job's friends misrepresented God. They believed that God is this almighty, all-wise, all-just God who is just interested in our subservience. In other words, a God who is just interested in human beings to bow down, to obey, to pay respects, to repent to Him, to worship Him, to serve Him. They also believe that Job is suffering because he must have done something that angered and upset God. And they keep repeatedly tells him to repent so that God can like bless him again. But Job knew God and that God is not interested in subservice. God is interested in a genuine and deep connection and relationship with us. So, which brings us to this, that the idea of God's people getting up in God's face isn't new. God's people in the Bible, is, uh, they are called Israel, which is, is a strange name, Israel. Okay? But how this name came about was in Genesis chapter 32 where God condescends to wrestle with Jacob as Jacob desperately pleads God for divine blessing before reuniting with Esau, which is his brother, whom he swindled and lied to years ago. So Jacob is in this battle wrestle with God. And strangely, when God came to meet Jacob, God came in a man-like form. And when he was unable to overpower Jacob, God cheats and dislocates Jacob's hip. And then God gives Jacob a new name, Israel, okay? Which basically means God wrestler. I mean, think about it. Why would God name God's own people the one who wrestle? Why would God name his people the one who struggles with God? I mean, why not the obedient one, right? Why not God's followers? Why not God changer? Okay, I don't know. I'm quite bad at names. <laughs> so throughout the history of God's people, those closest to God talk to him like they were talking to a friend. Most times praising, grateful, but sometimes bargaining, 
Sometimes accusing, sometimes protesting, sometimes lamenting and complaining. But this is the kind of relationship that God wants. God desires people who wrestles and come close enough to get in God's face. Even while knowing He is God Almighty, right? Because this wrestle, this lament and protest is about drawing closer to God. It's about coming to God's face, not away from Him. Can I say this? Without protest and lament like Job's, God is only surrounded by yes men and yes women who will end up living a faith that is inauthentic and of pretense. Christians who may profess that they know God, but their hearts are cold and far. They go through the motion of serving God, of coming to church, of putting in an envelope on their giving, reciting the commandments, singing the worship songs, but their hearts are distant and distracted. If God is everything and we are nothing, then we can only become a false self, a fake individual. We hide pain and we over-spiritualize and tell ourselves that we must and can only have faith. We must and can only trust. We must and can only rejoice and be thankful. We end up covering up anger, pain, disappointments that we have with life or even with God. And can I say this? God is not looking for a compliant servant. He's looking for a true, intimate partner. A a real relationship with us. Not a superficial, not a ritualistic relationship. You know, the greatest commandment in the Bible is not serve the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind and strength. It is not even obey the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Or it's not even worship the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. But it is in Matthew 22, 37 where Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. To love is not less than obedience or service or worship, but rather to love is more than service, worship, obedience, and submission. It is everything. It is our whole heart and our whole being. God does not just want our service, our lip service, our, I don't know, bended knees, our yes and amen, come on, that's right. He wants our heart. He wants our love. He wants our everything. That's a genuine friendship and relationship. And so, we wrestle on. We hold on. We struggle through. We may even lament and protest against God about our lives and problems and difficulties. And even in this losing match against God and life, even in this losing match where thou is stronger than I am, where God is stronger than I am, we refuse to settle for less. We refuse to let God go because we want to draw closer to Him. When we wrestle, we come closer. And what we don't know is that we may not come out of this wrestle any stronger. I mean, Jacob can't walk after that. We may not come out of the, of the wrestle any stronger, may not, but closer, deeper with God 
more anchored in truths of who God is. And maybe what's more important than faith is faithfulness. And maybe the ones who wrestle are the good and faithful ones at the end of the day. I want to share one last story. Some of you might be familiar with the famous 36 views of Mount Fuji by this artist called Kazushika Hakuzai, right? These 36 views are a series of landscape prints showing Mount Fuji from different locations and different seasons and conditions. The most well-known print is probably this one, The Great Wave of Kanagawa. Yes. But I personally love this one. Okay? The Lone Fisherman at Kajikazawa. So, Kajikazawa is a place on the upstream of Fuji River where it affiliates a mountain stream. And so, there's a violent waves of two rivers rushing into each other. That's, that's what you can see, right? And the fisherman is, is on this rugged rock throwing a net. His little crouching son waiting patiently beside him. The peak of Mount Fuji soaring out of the morning mist. I love this because despite the choppy waters, he threw a net in faith knowing, or perhaps desperately struggling to believe that he would get a catch. And maybe I can see the beauty in that struggle. And one more thing I should tell you about these paintings. What's interesting about the painting is that most of the paintings have no mention of the name Mount Fuji, except for two of them. So why interesting, right? Because if you're not careful, you might think that the subject of these paintings are the great waves, the fishermen in the foreground struggling, when actually the focus all along is the little Mount Fuji sitting at the back of all of these, unmoved, unchanged, and watching over everything in every season and every time. So the lone fisherman is not alone, ironically, in this struggle, which reminds us that we are not alone in this wrestle, that you are not alone. As much as we are wrestling to get closer to God, to get better in life, to, to grow, to be better versions of ourselves, God is with us in this struggle. He is watching over you. He is with you, unmoved, unchanged, watching over you, believing in you. He is with you in this space, in this gap where you are not where you were, but you are not getting to where you should be and He's with you in this space. Amen. When I stand up with me, I want to start by saying that we might or we will probably be wrestling our whole entire life. Yeah. It's human to struggle, right? Yeah. It's human to struggle with fear. Yes. But I also want to remind you that it's also human to have faith. Yeah. It's human to hate, to be angry, to be merciless, but it is also human to love. So and remember that it is always God and I, not just not just I, not just me. So I wanted us to take some time to meet God together here together. I wonder if any of you, whether you are youth, uh, young adult, whether you've been here, this is your first time, 
or you've been here for a really long time. But today, you want to respond to God. You want to meet God. You want to come to God with this struggle and this wrestle that you have. I want to just invite everyone to just come.